right, guys. Once again, welcome to the Aftermath Podcast. It's my great pleasure to be in attendance today. We have Dr. Carlos Serrano. I'll let him do a little bit about himself and biography, and then we'll jump into it. So if you would, please tell them who you are and, and who you are to me as well. What's up? Glad to be here. I am uh, Carlos Serrano. Been in Clarksville since 2003-ish. Uh, got here when I was in the Army. Um, I've been in the community serving for a long time uh, as a local church pastor. Uh, I am transitioning out of Clarksville to become the president of Manny University in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fort Bragg area. Um, but known Janes for a long, long time. Uh, I get to serve in a lot of different areas, a lot of different capacities, but definitely getting to be your friend, your brother in this crazy journey we've been on has been a, a great pleasure for sure. Been doing jujitsu since 2012-ish. Uh, something like that. Uh, we were both white belts together. We actually looked back at old pictures of seminars, and did, we were both at the same seminar. Didn't realize that we yeah. knew each other, you know, for years, for years, for and years. years and years, way back then. But uh, anyway, I love being in this space. Uh, I remember walking around this empty room. I think this is the third or fourth version of an empty room I've walked in with you, and <laughs> exactly. it turns into a jujitsu uh, academy. So I know uh, weird how that kept happening. Yeah, going to a room, and next thing you know, we're doing. Jiu-Jitsu. That's so, it. So, very humble young man. He's also has a doctorate in organizational organizational leadership, leadership and management. Is a published author as well as being my pastor. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of things today. The reason we brought him here, even though we're looking at thirty minutes, because of his degree, because of his special insight and the way we've done it. There are a couple of things that tend to happen in most jujitsu academies. Um, we talk about one. You can have a cult leadership development where everybody follows the kind of that preset of that one leader or that one strong black belt or whomever that may be. And then you have some that replace. So we'll often say, you know, I go to church, I go to jujitsu for the church. That's part of what I said. Like this became part of my ministry um, is we've reached so many people on the mats that won't go inside of a traditional church. So and I will put this disclaimer out here. If you're one of those people who like you say, religion may not be your thing may not be a Christian, but there is a higher calling. There is a greater purpose. I choose to follow Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about, about all those. So I'm going to tell you that right up front, um, as well as just straight organizational leadership. Um, we're also going to maybe defunct some things, maybe offend some people with what we say, but that's the whole point of having your own opinion and being able to speak. Um, so let's just get into it. Um, as we said before, we talk about organizations of, you know, just organizational leadership. I turn to him because a lot of people forget Jiu-Jitsu Academy is still a business, right? So I've been insulted or people called in and insult, hey, you run your school like a business. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, it, it is a business. So. Yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't understand how comfortable we can get sometimes with our own hypocrisy when it comes to these type of issues. So take that beautiful disclaimer that you just gave, right? I didn't come on here with any intention to talk about church stuff or talk about ministry stuff or talk about any of that, right? It's a jujitsu podcast. Um, but it baffles me that people will say, well, I'm not a religious person. I will push back and say, if you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu consistently, you're very much a religious person. You just happen to come to this particular temple 
and to meet those spiritual needs that you have. You're fulfilling that spiritual whole, whatever it is, through the art of jujitsu, if that's what you want to do. Uh, the great prophet Bob Dylan, you ever heard of him? Yeah. He said, you got to serve somebody, <laughs> right? <laughs> so everybody serves somebody. Everybody does something. So uh, even those who might listen and say, well, I don't like organized religion. No, I see the gi that you wear in uniform and the bowing that you do and the, and the, the ceremony that you participate in as a martial artist. Whether you believe it or not, it may not be your grandma's church, but all of us are searching for something, like you said, something higher, something to fulfill that. Some of us, we have a particular belief system that we hold to as supreme above all. Others have jujitsu. What I'm saying is, uh, of course, I would want you to hold the beliefs that I do and share what I get to share. But at the end of the day, I would say at a minimum, hey, just be honest and, and call it like it is and say, no, that's my church. That's my worship. That's, the, that's where I get my spiritual fulfillment from. Jiu-jitsu. So transition into the organizational stuff. It's kind of that same hypocrisy. We love jujitsu. We want our academies to be clean. We want our academies to be safe. We want there to be a place for our kids to learn. We want there to be a structured curriculum. We want to know how we're progressing. We want to know, hey, am I getting better? Am I getting worse? How can I improve? Some of us want to be able to compete. Some of us want to learn self-defense and how to be confident. We want skilled instructors, right? We want all of those things. Well, here, especially in the United States of America, you don't get those things without resources. And you don't exactly. get the resources without organization. You don't get the organization without some type of a system. So call it a business, call it a whatever. Um, some of the biggest critics of jujitsu academies that are growing and that are healthy and that are large like this one, some of those biggest, biggest critics, I think it's just hypocrisy that you're acting like you don't know how business works. And there's no other area of your life where you do that. You've been to McDonald's and say, man, y'all suck. Y'all are too, y'all, y'all are sellouts, man. Y'all are too organized. I can't stand. I used to go to this restaurant, but you know what? They were too clean and polished exactly. and they kept raising their prices. You don't do that foolishness anywhere else. Uh, why would you expect that out of a jujitsu academy? I know I wasn't said I wasn't going to preach, but I feel like I'm preaching. But You're not. You're just telling good. the truth. Here's the other good. reason why I like what you just said and like us being on this train. The same thing when you talk about that organizational leadership, right? And, and people saying, well, you run it like a business. Yes, because as a business, I'm going to use the same... Um, allegory you did mcdonald's i can't go to mcdonald's and get my quarter pound of deluxe meal and then go you know have them send me a letter a phone call and go hey you better not go to burger king because you eat at mcdonald's right that yeah. would be the same thing as me telling one of my students you can't go train somewhere else but that happens in jujitsu yeah where they don't allow cross training you would tell any other business that if I can't do business where I choose to, especially being an American, yeah, you know, to jump off a cliff or whatever your choice of words would be. Um, so I think that's kind of another one is a hypocrisy. If yeah. you want to get into yeah. that, that happens quite a bit. Um, and, and that's tough because we, we get confused, I think, about what jujitsu is. And we don't, if we don't answer those questions, right, the question is everything. I'm a researcher by trade, so the question drives everything we do. We're always trying to answer a research question. It determines the type of method I'm gonna use, determines the type of instrumentation I'm gonna do, what problem am I, am I trying to solve? And in United States of America with jujitsu, particularly, we have a lot of mixed messages and mixed signals. There's no real organized jujitsu unifying body. As much as people try to say, well, maybe it's IBJJF or maybe it's Hickson's. No, there is no one size. Even within that great family that gave us this great art, right? There's so many different streams and so many different thoughts. And people might have Gracie on their building and you go into one and you're never going to compete. 
and it's only going to be self-defense. And it's you're not going to roll true. into your Very blue true. belt. Yep. You go to other places that have Gracie on the name, and you're going to get absolutely smashed your day in because it is all about that fight and that grind. You go to other places that have Gracie on their name, and it is the most rigid, methodical, step-by-step, by-the-numbers, organized system you've ever seen on the planet. And there's various, you know, swings to that. But I think we just get confused about what jujitsu is for. Is jujitsu for everybody? Is jujitsu a family? Is jujitsu an art? Is jujitsu a martial art? Is jujitsu for physical fitness? The answer to all of those questions will frame what it's like in that academy and what it's like in the culture. And what I've seen in my experience, and I've done jujitsu for a little bit, right? I'm not a black belt, but I've been doing this for a little while. And in my experience in seeing jujitsu, usually the people at the top have an idea of what jujitsu is and they say with their mouth, this is what jujitsu is, but the culture doesn't lie. And the culture of that academy shows actually jujitsu is something completely different. So to your point about cross training, if jujitsu is a family, why are you charging me money? Because the last time I checked, I don't have to pay to be in a family. But mm. in the United States of America, you're taking my money for a service. That means I am your customer. Before I'm your student, this is gonna ruffle some feathers, but I don't care. That's Bef what we're doing today. Before I'm your student, I'm your customer. That's gonna change the relationship. So I'm still gonna serve you, but it starts out as a transactional relationship. And I just haven't seen it work yet where you're gonna have the best of both of those worlds. They can't be your family, and this is a tight family, and we can, it can't be that, and oh, by the way, you're a customer. If I'm a customer, then I'm gonna serve you as a customer, uh, and you have the right and the freedom here in the United States of America to go where you're gonna get the best value for your dollar and the best service for your dollar. And if you happen to come away also with a family and with a tight group of people, well, man, that's amazing too, but let's not get it twisted and act like, well, it's not a business or anything other than that. Because if it is just a family, well then stop charging people and do it for free. Exactly. So. Like I said, um, or as the saying goes, it might be tight, but it's right. Um, which is why here in Hinzo Gracie of Clarksville, we work on our culture. Um, and I think the reason you can also, when people say they feel like a family, is if you can build a culture of what I like to call building raving lunatic fans, meaning I give you such great customer service that I'm looking out for you as a customer and as a student. Um, and those of you, especially people who have played you know, organized sports, they understand what their relationship becomes with the coaches or with your good teammates. There's a brotherhood or a sisterhood or that camaraderie that is built. Once that is built the right way, it will supersede the fact that I'm paying for this service because I don't, the payment feels like you should do it. Like, like yeah. almost like a tip. Yeah. So you don't think about that I'm making this payment. It's more like I'm giving this person the tip so they can continue to provide this service that I need. And I bring people, this best, um, I think it was you who said it a long time ago. Best way to tell if you've given your customer the best service, they'll go out and bring more people to the, you know, to you so that they can get what they're getting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, trying to build Raven fans. That being said, for those of you who are in the Clarks from Montgomery County area, if you're looking for a place that you want to come and try out, we we'll give you your first three free um, visits. That's what you want to try. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, Wrestling, Boxing, Muay Thai, Strength and Conditioning, think those <laughs> so yeah we have all of that going on we have all of the combat sports 
happening up under this, um, up under our ceiling. Reason we do that is we put everything in house. I once again, this is us. We started like in an empty room. Yep. Putting mats up, putting them on the ground, which was a very small space, and we've grown. But every time we added something, it's because it's something we wanted. Hey, it'd be cool if we had showers, so we added showers. Be cool if I could come here and work out instead of leaving here to go to the gym. Yep. So we provided workout equipment, but that's not workout equipment. We provided strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know what makes your jujitsu better? If you know how to do takedowns. So we had wrestling and judo. So our biggest thing was once in, if you're the customer, I'm trying to figure out what you want, what you need, and try and put it there for you, right? So you don't have to go look for it. So those are some of the things we're doing here. And But that's also why, when, and I listen to our students, when our students or our customers say, hey, this is something that I think would be cool. Then we try to make it make sense. Um, now, on the other side of what you're saying, is you, the question about is jujitsu for everyone? I think everyone can get something out of jujitsu. I think it's both the student and the coach or the instructor as they're communicating to figure out what it is that they need. Yeah. Right. And some people are like, well, you can't do that. I'm like, it depends. That's when the work goes back on the instructor, you know, because you've had to be in front of a group sure. of people where I've got two people who just want self-defense. I've got a person who's trying to be, you know, a gold medalist. There's nothing wrong with them. They want to go a little bit harder because they're a competitor. Then I got the person who's like, I'm just really in here to drop some weight. Right. That doesn't mean any of them are wrong or they're in the wrong class. That means that's the instructors now on me to make sure that each one of those are getting something out of that training. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I first got my Brown belt, Earl Medley, great black belt out of Murfreesboro monster. Yes, uh, he is monster jujitsu practitioner, great business owner, great dude. Earl told me, Carlo, you have to stop looking to a professor now for jujitsu. It's your jujitsu now. No professor is going to give you much more than what you have. You could do seminars, you could do all that stuff, but ultimately he was saying, just do your game. Learn your game, what works for your body, what works for you, what you want out of jujitsu. And that really shifted my mindset of, I was already there. I tell James all the time, I'm the last person you want a white belt in jujitsu to have a conversation with because I might just convince <laughs> I, I might just convince you to not even start <laughs> because I'm very passionate about jujitsu being your journey, what you want to get out of it. So is jujitsu for everyone? I would say the answer is yes, if we have a clear definition of what jujitsu is. If we're talking about the gentle art, if we're talking about the ability to use leverage and technique and skill and, and energy management to subdue a stronger, heavier opponent in a situation where I need to survive and then escape or survive and then submit, if we're talking about that jujitsu, then I'm gonna say yes, that jujitsu is for everyone. If we're talking about competing and putting it all on the line and being an IBJJF, ADCC world grappling champion, Absolutely not. That jujitsu is not for everyone. If we're talking about the path to becoming a black belt and running an academy and teaching people jujitsu, is that the path for everyone? Absolutely not. But I think at the core of what jujitsu can give people, I think everyone should be able to have access to that. What messes it up, I think, are all the other players that are involved who want to make jujitsu, they want to impose their version of it onto the student. So it comes down to servant leadership. 
Servant leadership is a great theory created in the set, thought about in the 70s by a man named Robert Greenleaf. It's been adapted and developed. It's probably arguably the most researched leadership theory out there. And, and the premise of servant leadership just sim simply says that the greatest leader is the one who serves and that a win for an organization is when the individuals, the followers, are being served. So there, there's actually no direct line to the business growth uh, as a metric of success. Essentially, a servant leader says, we win when the people win. Because if the people win, there's no way it's not going to bleed back into us and we're going to win. So the bottom line for a servant leader is the betterment of the served. So in jujitsu, if I'm a jujitsu practitioner and a servant leader, I win when I know the people are winning. So it's, it's the whole idea of is, is the customer always right or is the team always right? Well, if you're a servant leader and you have a team, I'm going to serve my team so well, they're going to serve my customers. So it's not going to be about people pleasing or just changing because we're trying to make money. It's genuinely an altruistic, I want you to be better. And in order for you to be better, I'm going to selflessly give what I have to you to help you and to grow. And you can absolutely do that within a business model. For example, Chick-fil-A rules fast food. They're, you know they, they're open one less day, by the way, than the companies that they beat. Think it's, about that. Exactly. They sell more fast food and their competitors are open seven days a week. They're open six days a week. It's all because they're servant leadership based model and, and how they do their stuff. So if you're a servant leader, you're, you're pouring yourself out for the betterment of the people, you just, that's always going to come back in, I think, a positive way and a good way for your organization. And I've seen it happen um, with Professor Brian Marvin, with the instructors we have here to include Carlos. So for those who don't know, like I said, for a, for a while, Carlos was on staff with us helping out here was, you know, he and I taught opposite and together, kids and adults. I believe as far as that servant leadership goes, we've been doing it. We've been open for 10 years. We've been doing it for 10 years um, from Professor Brian Marvin to us, to the staff we have now, Professor Andrew um, Hansen, myself, Professor Z, um, the other coaches that are here, most of the time they're asking questions. And, and I think that's the other good sign of your servant leadership. If you're in a school where they're asking you what you want or if you understand the technique or if that works for you, then I think you're in a good place. If they're simply telling you, do this, do that, not really listening to you or looking at your body type to make modifications, as we alluded to, or even knowing, hey, is this person trying to, is he trying to work out for gold? Is he wanting to lose weight? There are people who could be in better shape. I know from a fact from my journey, you know, I yeah. started as a much heavier person to lose weight. I didn't lose weight till I was ready to lose weight. Um, as, and as well, I was a personal trainer. I would have people come to me, tell me they want to lose weight. After an interview, I'd tell them, come see me again in a couple of months. And they're like, why do you not work with that person? I said, because that person wasn't here for, for themselves. They came because somebody told them, that they needed to come be here, but yeah. it won't work until they want it to work, right? Um, even when jujitsu, it, it, it's it's one of those things. One minute you may be on fire, like I'm a gang busted, and other times you'll sit back and like, hey, maybe I'm I'm just kind of floating right now, but I showed up, right? Yeah. Biggest the biggest thing um, Brian ever told me was, hey, the most important person is in the room. Whether you got one or one hundred, that's who you're teaching. So if we and. Some people can attest to it. If I only got two people to show up in the morning class, it's their class. You guys pay for this service. You got 90 minutes of my undivided attention. We can stick with the curriculum or we can work on what you want to work on. Let's go. I remember a class Harry and I did with uh, some of y'all who've been around this place. You know who Harry is. Uh, <laughs> permanent fixture. Permanent fixture. Legend. Uh, trains 
30 times a week. There's only like 20 classes a week, but Harry trains 30 <laughs> classes a week. Harry and I were in a class and, uh, Unfortunately to us, we were the only ones who showed up. This is old school breakfast BJJ class in the other building, the building prior to this one. And uh, the professor at the time, world champion, Brazilian monster. And yeah. it was just the two of us and him. And it's arguably top five hardest classes I've ever had. Um, not because of the techniques, but because there was nowhere to hide and you talk about servant leadership, it was now it's just you two. I can zero in a hundred percent on what you two need to grow your weaknesses, your strengths. So he would, your strength against his strength, your weakness against his weakness, back and forth, just nonstop drilling. I think for an hour, we just didn't stop moving. He was trying to teach us some crazy like helicopter choke from turtle that we weren't getting. And it was just, just trying to do it. It was like brutal. Harry still can't do it. Uh, I don't. A lot of people can't do it. Uh, but but anyway, to your point, it was it was very much that one on one service. He could have phoned it in. He could have just said, "Okay, guys, since it's just you two, open mat, y'all just roll." But he took the time to sit there with us and engage fully, and uh, I, I definitely appreciated. Yeah, appreciated and I, that. and I think once again, like I said, that is one of the things that I think truly makes uh, what we do here unique. But I can honestly say I've only had that type of training. Yeah. Um, so I, when people tell me they've had otherwise, I'm sometimes shocked or I'm like, really? Because that has been my experience, um, mine personally, for the time, like I said, that we, and we've been doing it this, um, for as long as we have. That's always been my experience. That, um, you know, if it's just you. And that same instructor, he called me and Ian one day. And he's like, you guys are competitors? We're like, yeah. He said, cool. Competition class, competition rounds, 90 minutes. Let's go. Yeah. Buckets over here. Everybody got to visit the trash can that day. Um, but that was cool. We wanted it. He gave it to us. And he was in there with us. That was the other part. It wasn't him making us just go. He was in there with us, each all of us doing rounds um, until, we ha until we all got enough work and visited, you know, what do you call it, paid homage to the trash can. <laughs> and I just so. want to say, too, some of what we're talking about that may earlier have seemed controversial about the types of jiu-jitsu academies and what's jiu-jitsu for. One of the beautiful things about doing jiu-jitsu here in Clarksville, Fort Campbell, is we really are shielded from a lot of that type of nonsense. True, true. Primarily because of the warrior mindset. A lot of people use that word and never served a day in their life. A lot of people throw that word around, warrior, never deployed anywhere, never spent any time in uniform, never don't have any, have no idea what that actually means to live warrior culture. And I just want to shout out just the Clarksville, Fort Campbell jiu-jitsu community indeed. in general, um, because I would say every school you're going to encounter here that I know of, there's probably some that I have no connection to, but if I know the people there in that school, you're going to get versions or a lot of what we're talking about as far as the servant leadership type. People are there to help you grow. People are there to help you 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 achieve what you what you want to achieve in that. And uh, I think that's just something unique to the military community yep. um, that we get the benefit of being shielded, I think, from from a lot of that, for sure. For real. And I, I think we'll talk about that on a different podcast. And also with where you're going to brag. Yep. And shout out to the brag community. is a lot of, once again, that same, kind of that same pocketed military experience. Yep. Because they're in a military town. You have jujitsu as well as war fighters. Yep. Um, which kind of gives you a different, I believe, perspective and outlook. Um, and because of that, there's a, once again, there's... The brotherhood within the brotherhood. Yeah. You see a vet and you see a vet that's on the mats and you're like, okay, bet. 
right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it's not just that we're united from jujitsu. Now we're also united by um, the service and the things that we have done or encountered. Yeah. Uh, and I think that makes for an amazing thing. And with that, I will give a shout out to the We Defy Foundation. Once again, if you don't know what it is, please look up that organization. If you are a veteran and you'd like to get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you suffer from PTSD or you have other injuries, if you meet the criteria, the We Defy organization will pay for you to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu at any one of their sponsored schools. We happen to be one. We also um, work with the LEO community, so We Defy can help you with that. Plus, there's other organizations that can help you if you're a law enforcement um, officer to get in and get some training. We talked about it last week on the last podcast. 911 is for people who are being attacked or if you think they're going to hurt you. 988 is if you want to hurt yourself or having thoughts about hurting yourself. Use the appropriate line, right? Um, I said it last week. Calvin thought it was a good tagline, so I'm going to use it again. If you can take an hour or 90 minutes to roll, you can take 10 minutes to listen and or to talk. All right. Um, we are given this wonderful instrument. I don't use mine as eloquently as Carlo does, but I'm trying. He knows more words, you know, PhD. Anyway, but use it. Hey, I hurt. Yep. Hey, I need. Can you listen? All right. We get to this lonely place because most of the time we're telling ourselves no one is going to make time for us. Ask. Simply ask, do you have 10 minutes? And even if you can't get the words out, I've seen it in this place. God come in, ask for 10 minutes, and people know if you need 10, we'll go in my office. I'll sit with you. I'll hold your hand. I'll cry with you. We'll do whatever. Right? But I'd rather you open up a line of communication. You can do it with Carlo. We talk about Harry. The reason Harry is a mainstay here, Harry has more people to come and talk to him, hang out with him. We have men and women here that will be available to you. Okay, and you should have that anywhere in the world. And I pray that you do. But if you don't, 988, pick it up, text. If you don't want to talk, text, send a message. Okay, don't don't go. Don't fight this fight alone. You don't have to. Yeah, for sure. And that's a beautiful thing about jujitsu. But it also touches on some of the dark side of doing jujitsu. I started doing jujitsu after a couple of years of doing kickboxing, doing Muay Thai, uh, training at what was the only, you know, school similar to Henzo Gracie at the time here in our, in our area. And, um, I just got an itch. I was leading a church, had lots of people still on active duty. I was not on active duty anymore. had lots of people in the church from the SF community and all that. And I just really wanted to connect and bond more. And I wanted to do some things that I hadn't done when I was on active duty. So I remember reaching out to the head combatives instructor, uh, on Fort Campbell and saying, Hey, can I do level one combatives? Like at the time he let anyone who, uh, was clergy in the community could train in his facilities nice. for free. So I got to train with world-class Israel Gomez of the Killer Bee Academy, Anderson Silva's one of his best friends who taught here in Clarksville for years. I got to train Muay Thai with him, got to do jujitsu with him. Um, and I did level one with the Fort Campbell all army team as they were training for their all army tournament. Don't do that, by the way. That is not the way you want to be introduced into grappling arts at all with a bunch of young 20-something-year-old killers training to go to, to, I think they were going to Hood at that time for the, the tournament. But I did level one with them. And uh, at the time, I was like, man, I'm a 30-something-year-old preacher and just got level one combative certified. This is so awesome. I was hooked, bought a gi, started doing jujitsu ever since then. And I found myself trying to find something in jujitsu that jujitsu was not supposed to give me. And it really was identity. 
a sense of purpose. Who am I? And for me personally, that can only be found in my relationship with Christ. That can only be found in who I am as a father and as a husband. And to let anything else define me outside of those things. I knew it, the book smarts. I'd read the books, done taught, taught the messages, but I found myself getting sucked into that, that world of jiu-jitsu. Most of the training I did from white belt to purple belt was actually done on Fort Campbell, at the legendary fifth group fight house with those amazing guys out there. Uh, shout out to those instructors. Um, but that can mess with your head when you're getting a train with these world-class professional special operators doing combatives that can start to mess with the sense of who you are. On one hand, you compare yourself um, stupidly. Like yeah, right. why would I compare myself to Z Durham Z at the time who was still on active duty? Like why am I comparing myself to this senior NCO career green beret? Why am I comparing myself to my buddy, Jimmy Lancaster, who at the time was wearing a white or blue belt, but he'd been doing MMA for 15 years, you know, right. career special operator. Um, and so I would get discouraged. Then I would push harder and I would try to work more and work more. And, uh, just really messed me up, uh, and I realized right as I started my PhD journey, I need to take a step back. This is 2013. I need to change how I'm doing jujitsu or I'm not going to make it. What mattered the most to me was I need to get my PhD because that's for life. That's who, I'm, that's who I'm supposed to be as this professor and teacher. Uh, and I mean professor like real professor. Don't make me get started on the jujitsu concept of professor. That's a whole other a podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We, we, uh, we won't go down But I knew podcast. my career and who I was supposed to be. Uh, as a teacher, this this is the way, and it mattered more to me than getting a black belt. And I knew I had to shift and had to change. And so, the dark side of jujitsu is you can get a misplaced identity. Mm -hmm. You know, they say in jujitsu the mats don't lie, and I don't think that's true. I think the mats absolutely lie because they can convince you that you are someone that you are not. Okay. They can convince you that you have something that you don't have. You can have a black belt and you can actually think you're a black belt in every area related to life. So No, bro, you're just good at jujitsu. So that's what I'm gonna say. I don't think the Mets lie. I think we lie to ourselves. Yeah. So I'm gonna go on the part with that. Yeah. I, 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 I can see that. I, I, the reason I say we lie to ourselves is it's easy to take a success in one area yep. and allow that to bleed over into every other area. Yeah. And I think that's because jujitsu is hard. Yeah. Right, so if I can accomplish being a black belt in jujitsu or rolling with these special operators or rolling with world class competitors, yeah, then now I start to have that I'm this person. Um, and it's funny because I just saw this the other day, it's um, a skiff they did on about Idris Elba, yeah, you know, he's a DJ and a producer and he does all this other stuff, so they have him going everywhere talking about I'm Idris Elba, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a barista, he's like, Move, I can make this coffee. And he yeah, takes yeah, yeah. over the spot. Then he goes, what do you do? I'm a mechanic. I'm Idris Elba. I can do this. And he starts working on the cards. Yeah. I think that happens more often than not. That's fair. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think that the mats are line because the mats will keep you humble. You are who you are on the mats. But if you're that guy on the mats, I believe that translates. Yeah. Uh, and that's that ego thing we were talking about before. Yeah. And I think that's, that happens more often than not. And that's where I'll say the mats will only keep you humble if you're humble. The mats will only keep you humble, humble if you're a humble person, right? If you're an arrogant person, that's what I'm saying where I'm like, no, those mats will lie. They'll trick you. Like this place will, not this place, Henzo, but <laughs> jujitsu, <laughs> the academy, it'll trick you into thinking you, 
you have this humility and this nobility and you're this warrior. And we talk about, we, we try to blend this, this Eastern the philosophy of martial arts with this Brazilian jiu-jitsu concept birthed in absolute fighting and smashing people. And we're doing it in this capitalist American culture. And we wonder why it gets confusing and why it gets messed up. Because we have this identity crisis and, and, and that's where I'm saying the danger can be. You can come into a place like this and think that you're one thing when you're absolutely not. And I'll tell you, the guys I know who are humble, who do jujitsu, I will push back on them if they say, well, jujitsu helped me with my humility. And I will say, I think jujitsu just helped unlock the humility that was already in there. Like my um, time in the, my time in the U.S. Army didn't make me disciplined. It unlocked the discipline that was already in me. Because we all know people who've done their time and are just as busted Busted up up 20 years later as they were when they joined, right? Some folks off camera are raising their hands. We're not going to shout them out, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But But if you're humble, if you're already a humble person, it's going to help enhance that. I'm not not to say you can't learn, not to say you can't grow. No, I I agree. I believe it's like people talk about money or success. It only amplifies who you are. Yeah. So on that, I agree with you very much. So um, honestly believe that jujitsu made me a better servant leader. Yeah. Um, I always thought I had a decent leadership style um, by wanting to be a better instructor. By truly, for me, understand, like we said, I got it earlier, like around Purple Belt, we realized it was our jujitsu. Yeah. But as instructors, it made me then made me more humble because I'm like, dang, I'm responsible for all these other people and their jujitsu. Yeah. Um, and to get the best out of it so that they don't become what you described. That, that person who thinks, okay, I got another belt, so now I'm Superman or Superwoman and I can go out and do, you can't. You're just a purple belt here. You still have to work on your other life situations outside of the mat, yeah. but this should give you a skill set to help you with that. So I always wanted to make sure that that was happening. I love the problem solving of jujitsu. Like jujitsu help you solve problems, can help you overcome obstacles. I just love the notion of I'm going to go there and, and, and set a goal for the day. And if I accomplish that goal, you know, my style of jujitsu survival is the goal. Yep. That's what I care about. I'm going to survive. Like I don't measure success in a jujitsu training of how many times did I tap a guy? How many times did I hit the move of the day? My win is I'm a 40 something year old preacher, college professor, and you are an active duty soldier and you didn't beat me. I won. So for like, those of you who can't see Carlo, he's he's also a slightly intimidating figure. He's a, no. he's he's a little bit muscular. No. He's a little big. He, I'm you adequate. Know, he's he's doing well over three hundred extra plus pound deadlifts. So my pastor, what is it? He's saved, but he ain't soft. All right, so don't oh, yeah, save not soft. <laughs> so don't run up on don't yeah. just his I survived. Don't let that I, I survive. Five, I did live five hundred pounds too. Don't. Yeah, look, look at that. Three hundred is warm up, man. See, see. Pounds. Remember we were talking about that humility. Shout out Z. I did <laughs> I did that because of Z. Z Z told me years ago, train that fifth group. Z's like, Carl, you gotta get strong, man. Just be strong. And these guys were so much stronger than me. Like I just said, Okay, Z said get strong, I'm gonna get strong. And I probably spent two years just power lifting and lifting with the fat grips, you know, putting fat grips on dumbbells and all that. Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I know. Because I, I, I don't want to get smaller. That's just dumb. Like, thanks. Too much. You know how I feel. There's too much exercise in that jujitsu. Was, that was a shot. Can we though. talk about if that? You didn't know that was a that's, shot. That's a shot to that was James. A shot. Too much <laughs> exercise in jujitsu. We didn't come for all this exercising, man. Y'all want to do running laps and backflips and jumping jacks and all. I, 
No, we the, the first round is all the warm up I need. Let's just See, put five see. six minutes on the clock. Yeah. Then we'll warm up. Then I'll get nice and sweaty, and then we can we can go. Thank you for coming to my TED talk on. <laughs> We want to do jujitsu. We don't want to exercise. This was my primary training partner. Yeah. This little guy. I told you, don't send five hundred. Don't send white belts right. to me, man. I'll I'll jack them all up. Oh, so that's why you know we you know, we do personal. In all seriousness, take care of your body. <laughs> take care of your body. Exercise. Do all that stuff. But uh, it's not for me. All right. So I now subscribe to the small and spicy jujitsu. Small and it's, spicy. I have to run and jump and do backflips because the people I'm rolling with are dead left in five hundred pounds, which is. You know, almost two to three times my weight. Well, Light, lightweight, anyway. baby. That's a great Ronnie Coleman would say. Lightweight. <laughs> anyway, I forgot what I was going to segue to. Oh, also, since I talked about him being a published um, author, this I put out to academy owners, business owners, anyone that's in a leadership position. Um, Carlo has an excellent book called Leadership Fatigue. Um, I read it when I was going through a crisis in my life. Wish I had read that book before I had the crisis. It identified every one of the symptoms step by step and it was crazy reading it I was like that was me that was me that was me and that's why I did what I did um so it was a revelation for me I strongly suggest that if you can uh, pick, tell them where they can get the book at yeah you can get it anywhere you can get it on Amazon uh anywhere books are sold really but Amazon probably the easiest place to get it. Leadership Fatigue is essentially a book version of my doctoral dissertation. So it's a scholarly book. It's not an easy read. Um, but essentially in that book, I asked the question of how do great leaders fail? How do great leaders blow it? It was inspired by me getting to serve under General David Petraeus with the 101st Airborne Division during the invasion of Iraq, OIF-1, and, and seeing him kind of blow up his life when he was director of the CIA. And I just remember saying like, how in the world does this guy fail like this? And uh, coming from a Christian space, it's easy to just blame it on, well, it's this thing or to that thing. And, and I, I was tired of the reaction we have to leadership failing and said, let's get proactive. So I studied an ancient king, the greatest king in the history of the nation of Israel, who had a very monumental failure that cost lots of lives and just tried to unpack why did he do what he did and, and discovered a couple of principles um, that I think can help leaders get ahead of of the failure. Uh, I also wrote a book called Biblical Perspectives of Resilience mm -hmm. and Leadership, another scholarly book, but resilience is a buzzword, especially in military communities. It's actually kind of played out, used a lot, but we frame resilience as the ability to bounce back from, from failures. And I wanted to add something to that and say, it's not just the ability to bounce back from setbacks, but it's also the ability to stand up under the pressure. What if resilience could be not failing at all? What if it could be not making that that misstep? So, in both of those books, I really try to to help and, and connect people yeah. um, with just some practical tools, principles. Some of the key principles from leadership fatigue that I think are applicable to what we're talking about in the world of jujitsu. One of them is that you know leadership is is three hundred and sixty degrees, right? It's it's there's always someone that's ahead of you, behind you, walking with you. So your decision, ethical decision-making is a 360-degree process. I have to think about how the decisions I make are impacting everyone else around me. Another one of the principles is that, you know, community, accountability, it's an ethical force multiplier. So how do I make better decisions? I can't be alone. If I let myself get isolated, I'm going to be on the road to, to failure. So having people around you, and jujitsu, again, a great opportunity for that because you can't do it alone. 
Like there is, the, I mean, yeah, we got grappling dummies, but that's limited, right? You right. need people in order to do it well. See, and once again, so the name of the books is Leadership Fatigue. The second book was uh, Principles for Resilience and Leadership. So if you can check them out, if you have a leader or and and that's something else when you talk about the community. If you're working with someone, a lot of times you may feel like you can't say something to them, but you feel like they're up against something. Give them a book and say, hey, I think you maybe this is something you should read. Yeah. Um, and what also is great about that book is there's cliff notes. Not, not being funny. He actually went through and said, hey, if you don't want to read this part, jump to this part to get what you need. Yeah. I loved it. And I read the whole thing because I am I, I'm just a reader. Yeah. But I love the fact that for someone who may not, you can actually go through the book and then say, hey. This will tell you about this. Go to this chapter to get this. Go to this chapter to get this. So it makes it an easier read. And or you can help somebody by pinpointing where they should look at. You can bookmark it and say, hey, here's a book. I want you to start on this page. Yeah. Check that out. See if that helps you. And I'll talk to you afterwards. Um, once again, I want to thank my guest, Dr. My pleasure. Carlos, for, for coming in. Um, once again, this is my primary training partner for such a very long time. Um, can honestly say I got nothing but love and respect for this young man. I'm so glad that he came in today um, so we could share this. And once again, those of you who are watching the podcast and get it, you can go in the comments if there's things you'd like to talk to us about, if there's a comment you want to make, or maybe we can circle back to this conversation. You put it in there, and we'll either one of us will get back to you. Um, once again, the Aftermath podcast is brought to you by Henzo Gracie Clarksville. It's hosted by myself, James Habanero Hoskins. I actually wore the shirt today. You can get this shirt online at one of our stores. And recorded by Meche Music. Don't forget to follow the Aftermath at aftermathpod.com and on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at aftermathpod. Be sure to like, review, and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Do us a favor. If you really like it, share this podcast with some people. Let's help this thing grow, and let's continue to go. All right? Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, got to shout out my, where I'm going, Manny University, manna.edu. Come get your education with us. We'd love to have you. Boom.